Hey, what's up? It's your host, Tori, and who is ready to be petty? Welcome back to another episode of RTBP. I'm so glad you're here. I'm back with a bonus episode of the pod. This is a Patreon episode that I'm releasing to the public. I interview a literary critic, writer, and host of the Missing Pages podcast, Beth Ann Patrick, and we are talking all about the celebrity memoir craze. We've seen such an uptick, I feel like, in celebrity memoirs, celebrities using memoirs as a PR tool, as well as just um, coverage, like media coverage of these books. We specifically talk about Britney Spears' memoir and Harry, Prince Harry's memoir. I was going to say Harry Styles for a sec. No, definitely Prince Harry. So if you enjoy these more deep divey episodes, ones that are focused around one topic versus just trending pop culture stories. You may like my Patreon, which includes bi-weekly episodes with some of your fave guests, as well as a Discord community. And I feel like some people don't understand maybe what Patreon and Discord are. So I'll explain that for you. Patreon is a paid-for service where you are paying a creator to make more or additional content. So I publish bi-weekly episodes and... Through Patreon, you can listen to those in the Patreon app or you can directly put them into your Spotify and Apple podcasts so it is like a seamless listening experience. And then Discord is kind of like a Slack chat where we have a bunch of different channels where we can talk about different things like Vanderpump Rules, Taylor Swift, our pets, our petty weight champs of the week. We can gripe about our this week in petties and it's super, super fun to meet other people who like the same kind of topics that you do. If you like today's episode and want to join Patreon, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash RTBP podcast. Okay, folks, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Here's my conversation with Beth and Patrick. I'm back with a very special guest, Beth Ann Patrick, the host of the Chart Topping and Signal Award winning podcast, Missing Pages. Beth Ann, how are you? I am really great, Tori, and I'm so glad to be here with you today. I think Ready to Be Petty is so much fun. Um, I may uh, be, you know, the oldest guest you've had on, but that is okay <laughs> because my petty quotient you know yeah. is just it, it is as high as someone a third my age half my age so I am an author and a critic and I've spent a lot of time around the book publishing world yes. so missing pages is definitely right in my wheelhouse or could that be publishing house well it might be time to start my own publishing house yes. so Missing Pages, we just finished, um, well, we didn't finish, but we're, um, season two is mm. running right now. And it investigates everything from people who scam the literati to how big publishing operates. And I am not making an analogy. <laughs> By the way, we're going to be talking about celebrity memoirs and yeah. I've written a memoir, but I am not and never will be a celebrity. Uh, so I just want to make that clear. I'm going to be talking about those big names that we love on Ready yeah. to There, I will say the the literary world and like the publishing world, it does have, I feel like, as much gossip and lore as Hollywood would. <laughs> oh, yes, it does. It just it doesn't get as much ink if you will yeah. as hollywood does but that's okay because we produce plenty of our own ink about it and yeah. we also of course produce the ink i'm get boy am i really milking that <laughs> um for all of these celebrity memoirs that we're gonna be talking about today yes. and you know it's funny because tori when i you know got this request and saw you know the questions i thought oh, do I read these celebrity memoirs? Oh, guess what? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> that yes. is so funny. Yeah. And celebrity memoirs, like, it's not my book of, like, genre of choice, for right. sure. But I have, I, I really, honestly, I have to give it up to Celebrity Memoir Book Club, Claire and Ashley, for mm -hmm. feeding the interest, I feel, uh, mine in particular. But there are some, like important memoirs to read I think especially in the last couple of years so yeah that's what we're gonna get, kind of talk about today yep 
So I guess my first question to you is, yeah, what's your what's your fave celebrity memoir? And do you read the genre? And why is it important? You know, it's really interesting because, as I said, I didn't think I read celebrity memoirs, but I do. And part of that came from, you know, when I got started in publishing and I was doing author profiles first for a print magazine. Then I was doing author interviews for AOL long time ago. Nice. Uh, and yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and then I started doing author interviews uh, live as well. Um, for a few years, I worked with a PBS affiliate here in DC, WETA, and did um, broadcast interviews with authors. And a lot of them were celebrities. So um, for instance, at AOL, I interviewed Andy Summer of the Beatles. Uh, the Beatles, listen to me. Yeah. The police, the police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not that old, okay? Um, uh, I interviewed um, uh, Peter Falk. I interviewed Martha Stewart. Um, then, you know, live, I interviewed everyone from astronaut Buzz Aldrin to cooking guru Lydia Bastianich, you know, even... Um, Paul Yarrow of Peter, Paul and Mary, yes, or was yes. it Peter? Uh, you know, they get, yes. get them mixed yes, up. I mean, yes. so I learned um, that there can be really fantastic celebrity memoirs. Some of them, you know, it's called a memoir, but it's really, I don't know, a how-to guide or exactly. it's, it's all marketing. But for instance, Peter Falk, who was Columbo long ago, and the, we're not forgetting Columbo because now we have Natasha Leone's amazing poker face, which is based on Columbo. Yes. So Peter Falk's memoir was so sweet and so much from the heart, for example. Then, you know, I might see something that was really just a, a marketing ploy, you know, someone yes. who was a model who just wanted to talk about, you know, uh, uh, you know, silly stuff. But I do read tons and tons of memoirs from celebrity food people and music people. And so some of the ones that um, I know we're going to talk about, but I, I realized recently I've read Dave Grohl's The Storyteller, which oh, is yeah. mm, yes, awesome. Yeah. Yes. And Michelle Zauner's Crying in H Mart. So Zauner is, you know, Japanese breakfast. She's the lead. Yeah, and yeah. this book isn't about music at all. It's about how she came to grieve and truly appreciate her mother through cooking the Korean dishes that her mother had made for her, you know, while she wow. was growing up. It yeah. was very, very good. And so, you know, this is this is one more thing I'll say. I know I'm running off at the mouth. No, here. I love um, this. I love this. It's interesting. It's, and it, it says a lot about you, too. So I love this. This is oh, great. good. Oh, good. <laughs> so what I was going to say about that is Zahner's book and Grohl's book, too. These are I wouldn't say either one of them would describe themselves as literary or say I'm a literary writer, but their books are really fantastic. Um then I thought, oh, gosh, I love things like Keith Richards' life. That taught me so much about him, about Roots Blues music, mm -hmm. and also made me see that it, we all, all of us think when we think of Keith Richards, oh, that wild, crazy Rolling Stone guy. He has so much, he reads constantly. He is a real autodidact in terms of literature and philosophy, but he also listens constantly. And it was just amazing. Um, I could keep going on and on, but there are two more I want to mention. Yeah, 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 please. Um, um, one is The Chiffon Trenches by Andre Leontali. And yes, yes. Yes. The creative director at Vogue for so long. Profound, yeah. Uh, totally profound. I had read his previous book, can't remember the title sorry yeah. about that but yeah. um this book is so profound because you get all of these stories about Anna Wintour and about the mm -hmm. fashion world and the Met Galas but then in the middle of it is this beautiful poignant tragic section about why he's never really had a truly whole loving intimate relationship yeah and it just 
knocked me over. I remember when it came out, um, the novelist Brandon Taylor uh, and I were both obsessed with it. And we were going back and forth on what used to be Twitter about <laughs> it. And uh, I, I thought, yes, this is this book um, can hit a nerve for yeah. a middle-aged white woman yeah. and also a very young queer black writer it's yeah. meaningful and yes. the special mention i want to make this is so funny yeah. so this is the first time I, I i have hundreds of books signed to me by authors i've met over the years but the very first one i ever got when i was in high school was a signed copy of bubbles by beverly sills and I was taking voice lessons at the time, and she was a real, you know, a, a figure, a role model yeah, for me. Yeah. And to have that, I, I think I finally let it go, but I had that <laughs> little paperback signed for so long and really cherished it. And I thought, that's something I want to say about celebrity memoirs, too, is we, we can be petty about them and we can be very superficial about them, but some of them when yes. someone gets to meet that person that celebrity yeah. and have a moment it is truly meaningful for years yeah absolutely no you're totally right and i think that's why also the genre is so interesting because you have these really impactful books that mean a lot to people and when people are at you know yeah public figureheads at the top of their game like whatever their field is like, it is interesting to learn about it. Or, yeah, we get more context to the music industry or whatnot right. that we need. Or it can be this cash grab thing, which I didn't really, I think, understand that, like, celebrities would get paid. Like, this could be a quote-unquote, like, quick cash grab just because you think, when I think about writing, I think about, you know, months and years and research and just the the effort, the blood, sweat and tears that go into writing a book. And then just to think that celebrities can sometimes I feel like swoop in and have this this book. Yeah, that it, it might be like, yeah, a how to guide or like even almost like a picture book. <laughs> and like it, it just the range is so vast and yeah so it, it's a fascinating kind of genre well what I was going to say this is interesting because I think we'll be talking more about cash grabs as we go along mm -hmm. um, but uh, here's what I want to say uh, is I just learned and maybe it's a couple of years old maybe I didn't realize it so there is a, an actor a British actor named Prunella Scales Mm -hmm. And uh, this is very way back, but um, she was in a show with John Cleese called Faulty Towers. Do you know Faulty Towers? No, but I know John okay. Cleese. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so this, was, this, was, this is one of his most famous things. It was didn't run for very long. Um, and uh, I um, actually think that it was very limited, but it is long running for Monty Python fans and comedy fans, okay? So it was back in the 70s. So Prunella Scales was um, Basil Fawlty's wife um, and uh, Sybil Fawlty, that was her name. And she was really dry and had this delivery that went like this, Tori. Sybil always had a cigarette. She would be like, Basil, you haven't done this. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. It was very funny. And they were supposed to be based in Torquay on the coast. And uh, so anyway, she was well known for that. Um, she did other things in her career. Her husband was a really famous stage actor in England mm. for decades, lots and lots of dramas and Shakespeare and all that sort of thing. Um, I believe his name is Tim Winfield. I might not have that right. So check it. But <laughs> they've been married for 60 years. And about mm, maybe 10, 15 years ago, she developed dementia. Mm. Okay. And what I saw was an interview with them. And again, I don't know how recent this memoir is. But they decided, he decided to write a memoir about their long marriage and about her dementia and she is still at 80 something 
in this video, she was still able to talk and participate in the interview. She did not, she seemed slow, but yeah. um, very, you know, and I thought, oh, yeah. this is a good reason to do that cash grab. Yes, yes. So because that's why I wanted to tell that whole story, Tori. Yes, <laughs> no, you're totally right. And I, I always think one of the most, like I am the most jealous of the Kardashians for basically one specific reason and it's the, their like archives they are able to just archive everything whether it's like all of their outfits or belongings or gifts or um videos like and I I feel like the the thing that is so interesting is yeah is that you have now this this thing that you can pass on and that lives on after you're gone and yeah regardless if yeah it was for money or not and like also you you deserve the money you're sharing you information. deserve the money yeah, <laughs> you're, you're you're sharing information and like oftentimes personal information about yourself but yeah I think sometimes people choose um you know to to write a book for different reasons yes but it is really interesting because I feel like we're coming into this new, like we are definitely in a absolute celebrity memoir like moment. Yes. But I, I'm finding that a lot of people, it seems like they're choosing it to like rehab their image or, but that was one of my questions for you is like, why would you choose this route over anything else because I'm like you could just go on like 60 minutes or or like a, a talk show or uh yeah like write an article like have an article published about you in a magazine like there's so or or more like direct to consumer like social media like you could just like on your Instagram or your TikTok or whatever so I'm just like why would someone choose this route when it seems like it, it it does take time regardless of how quick they can produce it and not everyone's gonna read it and it's a lot more to read an article in a journal than or a, a magazine to right yeah than to to purchase like a, a book and stuff like that yeah regardless if it's kindle or whatever you know it's interesting because i was talking about those inscribed and signed memoirs that i yeah. have earlier yeah. and so i think even though we're in the era of audiobooks and ebooks people still and it, it it will probably change in the next 10 to 20 years significantly people still think of hardbacks on a shelf, right? Yeah. As being something permanent. Instead yeah. of what you were saying about the Kardashians, the, the Kardashians, <laughs> um, <laughs> listen to me, the, um, and their, uh, their archives, right? Mm -hmm. Because digital archives still seem somehow not as permanent to yeah. us. And, and, you know, yeah. I've done some work I've been on a um, library board and, mm -hmm. you know, and some other work. And it's really interesting. Even the, the more and more we get that is digital, electronic, you know, archivable in those ways, there are still all of these books that libraries know they can't get rid of completely because those are the things that last, right? Who is going to watch a VHS tape? No one has a VCR at home anymore. So even if you archived that um, show on tape, it's worth nothing to you. People know that books are a tool you can always access. And right. books are not just tools that are always accessible and that last, but they are also Insta-credibility. They are a calling right. card. And so, yeah, you do. I know you mentioned people have a lot of control over um, the content in a book, unlike an interview or maybe a profile in a magazine. Um, and sometimes they write them themselves. Themselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and sometimes they acknowledge their ghostwriters, which is yeah. something we can also talk about and something we are covering this season on Missing Pages. But I think... Um, that it is a lot about permanence 
and credibility. And that's yeah. why they want to write these things. Because certainly, if it was all about creative control, then they would write the books themselves. It's more about being understood um, by a collaborator or a ghostwriter. So it's not necessarily, oh, I need to make this all mine. Michelle Zahner, for example, did write Crying in H Mart. That is not something produced by a collaborator or a ghostwriter. But, um, you know, it really, it, it, it depends. There is a famous restaurateur in New York, Gabrielle Hamilton, who got an MFA and also wrote her own memoir and other pieces. Um, that is Blood, Bones, and Butter. It's a fantastic, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. a beautiful, beautiful book. So anyway, I think, as you said, in some cases, it's to change the narrative. Yeah. And so I know we have to talk about Spare, which I read cover <laughs> to cover. And yes. I have lots of thoughts. So yeah, yeah. Okay, I love that. But you're right, there is something that is prestigious obviously about a book versus a interview or article or even just yes like trying to do it in the media I guess through like social media there is something prestigious yeah the creative control piece is interesting also because so they get like I guess they have more say in get what gets included in the book than say an interview that runs for an hour but only right. 20 minutes airs there is still a piece that it's like it I guess it's more but it's still not I think maybe like 100 percent because when you are working with a collaborator you are giving up some of that that driving seat like you're in the driver's seat, like seat sort of there but there's yeah. a passenger like right there that, that's kind of also steering the car so so that's really interesting that's the perfect analogy for spare so yeah um, yeah prince harry yeah so prince harry um worked with a really well-known and highly highly regarded writer and um ghostwriter named J.R. Moringer. And uh, J.R. Moringer wrote, uh, gosh, it's got to be nearly 20 years ago now, a beautiful memoir called The Tender Bar. It was made into a movie um, just in the last year, couple of years. I think Ben Affleck was in it. Okay. It was about how um, he basically, you know, was raised by the, you know, the the bartenders and men in this bar that is father i can't remember if his father owned it or just frequented it but it was very 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 good and Mulringer has uh, over the years he also was the ghostwriter for agassi for andre agassi's um memoir yes. which was very also very highly regarded yeah. it was something that was also shocking to people because it was where andre agassi you know admitted i don't really love tennis you know, I've been doing all of this for someone else. And so Moringer, I'm just going to say before we get into Spare, mm -hmm. uh, is known for his ability as a journalist and reporter and stylist for being able to bring out a lot of honesty and authenticity from his subjects, but also to take their stories and craft them beautifully. I mean, you read Spare, Tori? Yeah, I did. And and a lot of my um, patrons did too. Like it was it was a moment for sure, which I do think he brought out a lot of honesty and authenticity for sure in Harry. Some I like didn't need. <laughs> like, well, here's what I believe. And I yeah. think I've said this before. Yeah. Um, so I read the whole thing. I thought it was really, really well written. Thank you, J.R. Moringer. Mm -hmm. um, I also found the parts uh, so i am um, a military spouse my husband mm -hmm. he's retired now but my husband was active duty for 20 years and um i found the sections about harry's military service especially about his deployments to be incredible like so good he really is a soldier that is who harry windsor is yeah. he is someone i believe who I'm not trying to be militaristic or, and I'm, you know, certainly not, um, a, you know, hardline conservative in any way, but um, <laughs> there are 
people who are suited to different kinds of professions and yeah. lives. And, yeah. and the way he talked about the men in his units, mm -hmm. the way he talked about his experiences, what he got out of them, that's what makes me say he is a soldier. Yeah. Not because yeah. I'm saying, you know, oh my gosh, you know, you know, thank God for this or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so I wondered, could that have been a book? Could yeah. it have been a book, instead of being called Spare, could it have been Soldier yeah. or something like that? Um, That's so, so interesting. Thank you. I, I agree, though. I like. Yeah. I totally agree. Like he seems um, most at in alignment with himself when he was in um, the military, one hundred percent. But the interesting part that I think that you're saying is that. I don't think that would sell. Like, I think people only care about the context of the royal family, which is, which I think he understands to a point um, for sure. But, but I think when he goes off that like beaten path or whatever, like I just, people lose interest, which that's right. Is sad. That's right. And I think that that was like, but that is like case in point about his book is that he's always at the mercy of having to talk about his family or be in his family or do things for his family. And and people don't care about, yeah, his time, like his time Harry, in the military. Yeah. Harry is the redheaded stepchild our culture deserves. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I really... I, of course, I have been glued to the crown to this last mm -hmm. season. I am, course, you know, I am, I am unashamed, not sorry, not sorry. <laughs> and it has been really interesting to compare and contrast um, what is the actor playing Harry Lucas something. He, yeah, he's great. I think he's really I, great. I, I enjoyed him a lot. A lot of I think he isn't getting I think he's getting mixed reviews, but he is. And yeah. I don't think he should because he said something um, in an interview that I read, and I'm not going to capture it precisely. Sorry, Lucas. Um, but he said, you're not trying to, you know, do an impersonation. You are trying to capture something. You're trying to capture a character, a quality. And I think many um, of the actors on The Crown do that really well. Um, I'll leave the ones since we're not we're talking about memoirs and not TV. I'll leave the ones who don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. But I go back and forth about my feelings for Harry because I there is a part of me like as a human that mm -hmm. I feel so bad for him. Um, and I think he has lived like a, a tough life in some aspects. But then also it's like you're a part of a British aristocracy like you are you, know, you don't need our sympathy in the, the um, TV series at one point Harry says to William you know you're you're such a, a fucking corporate you know shill or whatever and you know it's true I mean if you go in you go all in and yeah. it is a job it is not yeah um, yeah you know, yeah. it is not a life of luxury in some ways. It is a job. Absolutely. So do you think the interest from his book in particular that we saw this, like, insane response, do you think it was because we don't get firsthand, like, documentations of the royal family in this way? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I have probably... Uh, last year, I was uh, really happy to do a live interview with Andrew Morton when he wrote The Queen uh, wow. in front of a nice big audience of Amazing. every every woman in the room was wearing pearls. Some of them were wearing tiaras as well. They were so excited. I love that. I love that. And uh, Andrew Morton, of course, has you know, caused scandal with the books he's written. He has also made a lot of people happy with The Queen. Um, and so here is a book that is very accurate, okay? Um, some of his stories I've heard before, some of the stories that he tells in the book he told during the interview again. Um, but I think people are very careful 
when they write about the royal family, even when they have bombshells to drop, like Morton did with Princess Diana. And so to get, it's not unfiltered because there's a ghostwriter, okay? Spare is not unfiltered, but it is the closest you're going to get to direct, authentic thoughts and stories from a member or a former member yeah. of the royal yeah. family. You're not going to get, I mean, there aren't any secret Prince Philip um, memoirs coming out as far as I know. That would, get, <laughs> <laughs> that would yeah. cause a splash. I mean, yes. it would probably yeah. be very foul mouth too. Um, <laughs> uh, but this is something I think that makes people feel they understand better and they want to. I mean, this is just to go back to the crown for a moment. Yeah, yeah. One of the things in this last um, uh, series, in this last season, that they go over again and again is the need for people to feel a sense of mystery about the royal family, about the monarchy. And as Americans, North Americans, we don't have necessarily the same feeling. I mean, even I, I think the most devout Canadian uh, follower of, you know, the Commonwealth mm -hmm. has a sense, we, we have a sense of distance. We're on a different totally. continent, you know? Totally. And so yeah. we don't have that need for the mystery. We want reality. You know, we yeah. want the Kardashians, HRH yes. Kardashians. <laughs> yes. yeah. No, that is such a good point. We just view them as more celebrities than monarchs and exactly we, yeah so we exactly. want the the gossip we want the truth we want the insider details yeah we don't we don't need them as like yeah you're right like figureheads and um it's Vanderpump yeah, Buckingham Palace yes yes <laughs> Oh gosh. And we are um on Patreon we are gonna book club Omid Scobie's endgame in January. So yeah, very excited for that. I am diving into that now that I have oh, that. Nice. Yeah, oh, I gosh. cannot I, I cannot resist. And you know, um something I was and I'm trying to remember where I'd put this in my notes. So um I just want to say really quickly, wherever mm. I put this, come on, Beth Ann. Um, <laughs> here's the thing about, you know, um, whatever you think about Harry and Meghan and whatever you think about Harry's memoir, they have shown the world a lot about choosing mental wellness. Yes. Okay. I, and I yeah. know right now they're facing so much gossip and criticism about Archwell's um, budget and yes, all of that. Yeah, but yeah. I think there is something to be said for, you know, reality TV, Buckingham Palace. I think there is something, um, this is one of those shifts that, you know, the queen made a shift after Diana's death. And maybe this is a time when King Charles and Queen Camilla are going to have to think about a big shift as well totally because you know their their children and their grandchildren are members of very different generations and if they Absolutely. want to remain relevant um you know i said to someone yesterday to a british friend in my generation that so many people we knew our parents grandparents aunts and uncles had respect for the queen no matter what because the royal family stayed in london during the blitz which of course i am way too young to have experienced but you know grant my grandparents you know that was a big thing for americans to see that people who could easily have you know scarpered off to mm -hmm. an island or anywhere mm -hmm. said no we're making the decision to stay here with our people mm -hmm. that's over now you know charles and camilla didn't do anything they weren't born you yeah. know during world war ii so i think personally i think that charles has done some good things and been interested mm -hmm. in some good things that doesn't mean he always does the right thing Totally. 100%. Yeah. Like I like his like sustainability initiatives, like that he like goes vegan, like right part, part time and stuff like that. 
time there is his memoir part-time <laughs> vegan part-time <laughs> vegan no i love that but you you're totally right and i think it's hard to see um how this is going to play out because we are living it but i think when people look back at this time we'll see more of kind of yeah what you're describing Let's talk about Brittany because, yeah, she is our queen. Uh, we book clubbed The Woman in Me uh, this past month. And, yeah, like that was, again, a, a memoir that we had waited for years on because she ha- also, like, doesn't do traditional media and stuff like that or couldn't do traditional media. Couldn't. Couldn't. Yeah. And this is this is so important because you um, – I, as I know, you know, she had three different ghostwriters. Yes. And yes. that is not, it's okay. I know lots of celebrities who have, you know, had two maybe or changed ghostwriters mm-hmm. because, you know, it really depends so much about chemistry, right? That relationship. Um, but having three it and, and, lending them journals as well as giving interviews that is a lot of a lot of material but I do think that Brittany the woman in Brittany has a lot of facets and that's what so um I actually listened to the audiobook yep I don't it's funny because I don't listen to tons of audiobooks neither do Uh, I yeah yeah Yeah, so this one though I thought I want to hear it spoken because Mm -hmm. Here's what I saw that was so interesting is so many younger women I know were galvanized by the freeing of Brittany from custody. And all of them are reading or listening to The Woman in Me. And I'm coming out of third wave feminism. And it's it's funny that I, I don't even like Brittany's music, but she has come to stand for something, for independence, for women and femmes. And I guess what I want to say there, just like I was saying about Megan and Harry, figures who radicalize us to make change aren't always who we expect them to be. I know, I know. You know, and so I was, um, I liked Michelle Williams as narrator. Yeah, I thought that worked. Um, You know, there's no big shocking news except for the sad news about the abortion which is just so hard and what really struck me in the book was how frightening that conservative conservatorship was no wonder she thought her family was trying to kill her no wonder you know and so it really is about um it's a difficult situation with um mental illness and and mental health care in most countries and definitely in the United States, probably in Canada as well. Absolutely. And, you know, for someone to be put into that kind of situation and not to have any control over her body, not just, you know, where she could go and when, but, you know, the blood work three times a day. The blood work, the forced IUD. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All of those things. 100%. It, It's like those were when she gave her when like the audio was leaked, I guess, from her from court when she was speaking about these pieces. Like those are the things that like moved me so much about. Yeah. How like, yeah, her bodily autonomy was taken away. And yeah, it, it is interesting about how you're right that like sometimes these things like radicalize us but it's the person that you're least expecting it to be like I do think that that was Britney for a lot of people and yeah that's just yeah so so powerful but you you mentioned the ghostwriters that is so interesting to me too because Sam Lansky who was I think the third ghostwriter right wrote the Taylor Swift time article Yes. Which like has been in the news. Huge in the news. And, you know, um, a, another, a friend who is, you know, in my generation and I were talking about this when it came out and we were so mad that so many men were saying, you know, Taylor Swift, that's not a person of year, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, 
you know what? You will get Taylor Swift for president and I will laugh so hard <laughs> because she is someone who is showing what, how a young woman shows real power in mm. our society. You know, mm. uh, it, it isn't always by being demure. You know, yeah, um, yeah. The, the women yeah. who are a little bit older than I am were the floppy bow with the suit generation. Yeah. And uh, I remember thinking, you know, while I was a teenager, like, who wants to do that? Who wants to go to an office and look like a man? And so I kind of think that Brittany with this memoir is showing us the way to Taylor Swift, showing us the way to a woman who says, look, you know, I've got an incredible amount of talent, but also I'm pretty business savvy. Taylor Swift is never going to end up in a conservatorship, okay? That is not a diss on Britney at all. That is because Taylor Swift has had a different set of circumstances, different upbringing, all mm -hmm. of these things in context. But it is, to me, immensely satisfactory uh, it gives me such satisfaction to see taylor making her own decisions and for the time editors to see that those decisions have given her you know that person of the year status that influence and it's not insta influence I mean, yes, it comes sometimes on Instagram, but yeah. that is not what Taylor Swift is going for. She is playing a very long game. Totally. Totally. And totally. I, yeah. I am just like, oh, what is going to happen? Like, I'm just going to go back to the Royals for a second. When I watched the coronation and I didn't watch the entire thing, I had thought that that was really going to be something new and different. And Charles and Camilla chose a lot of tradition and i thought oh i guess that's what they needed i guess that's what they they craved after all of those years but i would like to see a taylor swift kind of queen or yeah, yeah, or king yeah, you yeah, know um, yeah. and uh, and and see someone who does not need any um any but the simplest of trappings uh, to say, here I am, I have brought my A game and this is what we need right now to yeah. show um, all of the female identified people in the world that they matter. That's yeah. what the time designation meant to me. Yeah, yeah, it's because again, it has met, controversy and like also it's like when you're picking one person of course it's gonna like I don't think you can choose one person like it it, it doesn't make sense we live in like yeah a, a world that's very multifaceted and stuff like that and covers so many different types of people and um different identities and and yeah groups of people um but I totally agree with you is her effect on people and young women in particular, for sure, girls, is is profound. And I, I really do think that she will influence and shift this generation. Like you're saying, like it didn't shift with Camilla and Charles, but it is shifting with maybe Kate and Will and definitely with Harry and Meghan. And I, I think that's what... Taylor Swift is like is um yeah showing this this new way of you know working in in this industry for sure so yeah game changer but, and game changer. you know it didn't change with if we want to make you know go into music it didn't it didn't change the same way with Madonna or even Cher before Madonna um not the same way it's changed and you know I don't want to diminish either one's contributions they they lived in um through a time when there was so much more criticism of you know i like i look at taylor and this is i mean again I, we're off the memoir subject but i know <laughs> you know the, the the way once you were supposed to be with like no contact between knees thighs ankles you know kind of thing like she's just a strong healthy person totally and, that is 
that's pretty amazing. So strong, healthy, successful, smart, talented. There we go. And yeah. you asked uh, whose memoir I am. Yeah, yeah, for. yeah. So sorry to take the question away from no, you, yeah. Tori. No, but go there ahead. you go. Taylor yeah. Swift. Oh, I love that. That's perfect. <laughs> 100 percent yeah i have some others though too so yeah we can, uh... yeah yeah i'm i'm excited if a memoir ever comes just because there are a lot of i still think that there's a lot of gaps or like in her like that i want to know about so oh, yeah yeah i i appreciate that yeah who else are you excited for well, now, um, for the ones that are coming out in 2024, I'm just going to mention a couple. Uh, there's one in January that is not celebrity, but I think it might be interesting to some of the ready-to-be-petty crowd. It is called More by Molly Roden Winter. And uh, she is not a celeb, but maybe she will be. Uh, she's a Brooklyn um, uh, writer who she and her husband decided they wanted to have an open marriage interesting and so they did but then their adolescent kids found out about it and that was really shocking um to them and they wondered what do we do next so i'm not going to give any spoilers but that is one in january i think everyone should be looking out for because we are in an age where we're not just looking at i'm sorry i keep fiddling with my hair because it's falling <laughs> in my eyes. Um, we're, we're, we're not just looking at, you know, gender fluidity. Mm. We're also looking at relationship fluidity. Totally. And so I think this is a big one. Um, so speaking of gender fluidity, the one I'm really excited for, and I can't remember, I think it comes out in the spring is RuPaul, The House of Hidden Meanings. That is going to be so good. Um, and they're also, here's another royal connection. Couldn't help it, Tori. I love uh, it. We love Charles it. Charles Spencer, Diana's brother. Yes. Has but it's not about his sister. It's called A Very Private School. It's about boarding school in England. Interesting. And so I think that's going to be one that a lot of people are reading. But when it comes to, I, I said, uh, I'd love to see a memoir from Taylor Swift. I have a bunch of people I want to write memoirs first among them is your um justin trudeau yeah. oh my god i would love to read his memoir yeah. and then kate mckinnon katie mm -hmm. bryant or maybe they can just write one together that's what i'm i'm putting that out into the universe kate katie please i'll help you you know as if they need my help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. i mean i would that would be amazing yes, um, yes. you know it would be really great so oh, you picked uh, such great candidates because you're right i would love the behind the scenes of snl but from like a woman or like yes a, and a queer woman and a uh, i'm a woman with different yeah, size you know 100 percent totally totally or like any of honestly any of the like uh people that have uh minoritized identities at snl i because it's such a bros club like yep that would be so interesting to me and and also just in the comedy scene for sure yes. too and then yes. yeah justin i'm i am interested to hear from but yes. maybe in a few years, like I, maybe in a few I, years, I get enough Justin <laughs> content currently but. now. And then another one, because I've mentioned, I'll, I'll give one last one. I've mentioned so many musicians yeah. um, there. Stay hair, stay uh, <laughs> is Chrissy Hind of the pretenders. And oh, yeah, the reason I think that would be really fascinating is like Taylor Swift, Chrissy Hind has really done things on her own terms. However, mm. Chrissy Hind is in her 70s now, and she came up in a time where to be a woman rocker was just, people didn't know what to do with her. Um, she had so many fits and starts with different band members, different relationships. Um, I think she would have so many stories to tell, and I think she would also have so many things to say about what it means um to break through the boys club like like you know the bros club like you were referring to snl um she 
you know, was married. She has a child. Mm -hmm. She Mm -hmm. has done all of these things and she's never, never, you know, compromised her style, her artistry, what she wants to do. I think that's been really tough for her. I'd love to, you know, hear some, yeah, totally dive into that. Yeah, that's that's great. I I love those examples. That's so Thank great. You. Thank you. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um this was really insightful and um I love the I I just feel like you brought a lot of different perspective on celebrity memoirs than like what I have currently been like listening and reading and like learning about. So I really appreciated that. Can you tell the listeners uh, where they can find you and anything else that you want to plug? Well, first of all, thank you, Tori. This has been such a fun conversation. Um, Missing Pages is a podcast produced by the podglomerate i love them and you can find us on twitter or i'll guess i'll have to call it x x yeah, <laughs> yeah at miss pages pod um you can find us on instagram at missing pages pod you can find us uh on tiktok i believe i don't know what our tiktok handle is shame I'll- on me I'll uh, include it in the show notes. Thank no you. Worries. And you can find Missing Pages everywhere you get your podcasts. And I'll give a very small plug for my memoir, Life B, which is about overcoming double depression. And it is out from Counterpoint Press. It is also available on Audible, and I narrated it. So I just wanted to give a little oh, I shout for that. Wait. Oh, well, you know, Seriously. please. Thank yeah. you. Thank oh, you. that's so interesting. Okay, amazing. And so, Thank you so yeah, much. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. It. You are very welcome. Thank you, Tori. And I just want to say we're in season two of Missing Pages right now. So keep listening. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Beth and Patrick for joining me on today's episode. A little teaser, but Beth Ann is actually going to be on my other podcast, Ready to Be Romance, talking about book talk and the rise of Colleen Hoover. So if you enjoyed her content, uh, you can follow me there too at Ready to Be Romanced. If you're looking for more pop culture things, as I said at the top of the show, you can join Patreon for an extra two episodes a month, patreon.com slash podcast. Okay, friends, I hope you are safe and healthy out there. As always, I'm your host, Tori, and I am ready to be petty. See you soon. Bye.